Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. Housing for the Aged Action Group, Hague for short, a housing group for older people run by old people. Present Raise the Roof! We advocate for secure, affordable and appropriate housing. So listen up on the second and fourth Wednesday of the month at 5.30pm on 3CR 855 on your AM dial. Uh, that's right, you are raising the roof here on 3CR. This is the Housing for the Age Action Group show. My name's Shane, I'm here with Fiona. How you doing, Fiona? Hey, Shane, how are you? Oh, absolutely terrible, to be honest, but the day's almost over, so that's something. It's a beautiful the, um, day. A beautiful day. The, um, we are, who are we going to hear from today? Yeah, today, anyone that was, any of our members that dialed into our general meeting last week would have heard us talk about the big housing build announcement. Um, and we had a whole bunch of stats and things that we pilfered from a report written by Libby Porter and David Kelly from the RMIT Centre for Urban Research. And we were really stoked to be able to go to the source today and actually hear from David. So we're about to hear from him and he's going to break down what that big housing announcement means. Wait, exactly. what, what is the big housing spend? The big housing spend was something that was announced recently by the Victorian Labor government. It was $5.3 billion for housing. Um, That sounds so good. I know, it sounds so good. But as you're about to hear, um, David has unpacked that meticulously and maybe it's a little bit too good to be true. Oh no, well, let's hear what he has to say. Okay. Well, joined in the studio today by David Kelly, who is from the Centre for Urban Research at RMIT. How are you going, David? I'm good, how are you going? Not too bad. Um, just recently, yourself and Professor Libby Porter released a report about the big housing build announcement that was made by the Victorian Labor Party just recently. Um, would you be able to tell us a little bit about that report and what it found? Yeah, sure. So um, after the big housing build was announced, we were a bit blown away by the, some of the numbers that we were seeing and we were interested to see whether or not it was all as good as it sounded. Um, so what we did was we unpacked um, each of the sections of the big housing build and found out there was four distinct sections. Um, and broadly speaking, there were um, two of them are projects that would start now, and then two of them would be projects that would start soon. Um, so what we did was broke it into those four components, and the first one was a $532 million big uh, housing spend um, on Victoria government land, so the New Body Homes Victoria land. Um, and basically what this is is a mini re- renewal program. So there's six sites within this, um, five of which are on existing public housing estates. And we looked at some of the numbers there and we asked ourselves, okay, how many public housing dwellings are currently on these sites? And found that there was 446 public housing dwellings on these sites and they'll be replaced by 
560, I think, um, community housing dwellings. So it's just a kind of typical renewal program, and that comes in at a cost of 532 mil. Um, the other components are a nearly $1 billion buyout scheme. So they're going to be purchasing a $1 billion worth of dwellings from private housing developments that have been unable to sell some of their housing due to COVID. So it's basically um, a, a buyback from failed housing developments. Mm. Yeah, and then the other projects to start soon is um, $1.38 billion in capital grants to community housing providers and then $2.14 billion, um, which is basically a transfer of public land over to community housing um, and private developers. Yeah, so that is the... Five point is it five point three billion dollar announcement um, that yeah, the government yeah. made? Yep. So when we first heard about it, like you say, it was pretty exciting um, as a big investment into housing for the first time. But now that you've unpacked it, it's not sounding as good as we originally thought. Um, with the with the six housing, the six redevelopments of the public housing, that's in addition to the. Um, to the already well-known public housing renewal um, program, so that's that's nine estates across Melbourne, and there's, so there's now going to be an additional six. Is that right? No, this is where it gets a bit um, tricky. There seems to be a bit of double counting on behalf of the government. So um, five of the six estates will be, um, sorry, four are already. Um, part of the renewal program. Okay. So these are just smaller components of those sites. So take, for instance, in the public housing renewal program, all of Ascot Vale will be demolished and rebuilt. But what the um, the big housing build is doing is taking one small component of that, the Dunlop Avenue um, section of the estate, and saying that that is now part of the big housing build. So there's a bit of kind of double counting. And so... Basically, all of this 532, or nearly all of it, was already accounted for in the, in the uh, public housing renewal program. Okay. And then the $1 million or $1 billion um, for spot purchases of the failed housing, that's basically money going straight to the private, um, private industry, private developers. Is that right? Yeah, that's right. Um, so this, is, this looks and feels like what inclusionary zoning would do. So basically it's including social housing in private developments, but um, all around the world what we see is governments just mandate and and write into law an inclusionary zoning protocol or or mandate so that every developer has to include 10, 15, 20% of their units as social dwellings. So if you just enact a law, you can actually get the same effect, but instead what we're doing is spending nearly a billion. Um, and of that, um, when you break down how many dwellings they're getting, they said they're going to get 1,600 dwellings. That's a cost of about 600000 per dwelling. Whoa. So it's actually really, really expensive for each dwelling. Um, I think a lot of housing researchers know that spot purchasing is the most costly version of providing social housing. And it seems especially costly because you were saying that these are dwellings that they couldn't sell during COVID. So, the yeah. <laughs> should they not be bargain basement? <laughs> you think we would get a good rate on them? Yeah, you would absolutely think. I mean, some of the um, 
even with the the, uh, the renewal component of this, um, all they're going to actually see is a net gain of 54 social housing dwellings. So if you ask yourself, all right, you're spending $532 million to get 54 dwellings, that's a cost of $9.85 million per dwelling. That just seems crazy when you look at it like that, doesn't it? Yeah, so this is a sort of analysis that we did. It was like, all right, how much is this costing? How many dwellings are you getting? And the way we kind of look at it is there's so much vacant land already out there that's owned by the government. Um, we know that they hold it because they've done an audit recently. And if you were to spend $5.3 billion building public housing on those sites, you don't have any cost for the land, so you're actually going to get about 17,000 dwellings. Which would actually be a lot bigger chunk in the housing wait list than what 56 or whatever i mean yeah yeah yeah. i I mean i don't know how much your report goes into the kind of politics of these decisions but it seems like really what the government's buying for their nine million dollars a house is is not so much a small number of houses as it is they're paying to 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 get out of providing the public housing they're they're, what they get for for the payment is that the the housing is shifted from public to community housing organisations? Yeah, totally. Um, you know, you cannot cost, um, you can accuse them of being economic rationalists because none of this stacks up economically. So what they're doing is, yes, exactly, paying large amounts of public money in order to transfer the risk from the government to a community housing provider. Yeah. And keeping in mind that it actually still costs us money to provide community housing, even though. Um, it, it, it doesn't do the same thing that public housing does. I mean, there's over $4.5 billion annually spent at a federal government level on Commonwealth rental assistance, and a big bulk of that goes to community housing. Like, there's just huge amounts of subsidies that are required to keep community housing afloat. Mm. Yeah, and just for listeners who may have not heard of our show before, um, the difference between public and community housing is that public housing is owned and managed by the government, whereas community housing is managed by a community housing provider, which is a not-for-profit association. Um, And so it does seem that they are blatantly saying... Um, that this is the future, this is what they're doing, they're, they're not trying to hide this, they're saying that the community housing sector will be getting um, a massive expansion through this big housing build. There's also an additional 5,000-odd um, new dwellings, and, and we're not quite clear um, whether that's community or private. Is, is that, have you had any um, further look into, into that fourth part of the big housing build? Do you have any more clarity since the report was released on, on exactly what that consists of? Not yet. So, um, like you said, they claim that they'll get 5,200 homes, um, but they don't say how many will be private and how many will be community. So, um, I mean, judging by their renewal programs, if they're going to do this on a site-by-site basis instead of, like, just individual dwellings, then you're looking at a, at a mixed ratio of, like, 70% private to 30% public. So or social. So you're not actually getting a lot there, and I think the majority of it's going to be private. Um, whether or not they're going to term that as affordable or not is another thing. Yeah. And you know, for us, affordable housing doesn't really mean much. Um, it, it depends on who's doing the accounting. I mean, back in the NRAS days, um, the National Rental Affordability Scheme, under Kevin Rudd, it was 80% of market value. But for low-income people and and 
even moderate income people, 80% of market rent is not cheap. It's still very expensive. Yeah, and they've not put any definitions around what they mean by affordable um, in any of the announcements or the detail around the announcements that I've seen as well. Um, mm-hmm. There was also some money pledged for maintenance um, and upgrades of public and community housing. Do we have any more information about what that's going to entail and do we know where, where those spots are? No, they haven't actually said um, where and when these things are happening, but this is curious that they would include maintenance in an announcement like this because that's your core business is to continually maintain your assets. So why is it included in a big announcement? Um, it's kind of just buffers the numbers a little bit. It doesn't really do much. And this is just recurrent expenditure that you have to do. You have to maintain the property. Yeah. And some of that is also going to community housing providers as well, my understanding. It's not all going to maintaining or upgrading public housing. Some of it's going to into the pockets of the community housing providers. Yeah, yeah, that's how I understand that too. Yeah. yeah. So you've done some number crunching um, and and have you got any more information about, um, I don't know if you do or not, but I know that they announced as part of this that there would be a big change in the way the department um, is arranged and that Homes Victoria would be becoming a new entity that was sort of like a, um, my understanding is it's almost like a government-owned corporation um, run yeah. by a board and... I, I don't know. I know that the former kind of director is now the CEO of that um, and that that would be a mix of, of, I guess, what they're calling experts, but it seems to me to be private developers there as well. Do we have any idea about how much influence that those, those private developers will be having on, on these sorts of decisions about what to do with public money? Um, well, you would assume that they would have a lot, but that's that's um, suggesting that they didn't already. <laughs> That's true. Um, yeah. So, uh, as far as I can tell, I mean, Homes Victoria isn't a statutory authority. It doesn't have very much power to do much. Um, it's basically just separating out the business of the Office of Housing from the larger department, which is probably a good thing. That department was a little bit too big in any ways and a little bit too chaotic. So it's not a bad thing, but unless it's statutory authority with the power to actually go in and develop and buy and all these sorts of things, then um, it, or more power to do sorts of things like they do in WA, mm. then it really doesn't do much. Um, but it is concerning that a board will have direct oversight of um, the operations of the new body especially considering, you know, like UDIA, the Urban Development Institute of Australia, and those sorts of people are heavily involved in this. And I suspect that it's coming, it's it's in the in their interest to create new markets for housing. So community housing is a separate market from the market that we currently have. Like we have a social public housing market, um, which is really you know, decommodified housing. But then community housing is now operating at a scale where it's becoming its own market. So you'll have superannuation funds and other other big sort of financial interests looking to use community housing as a vehicle to grow their profits or um, grow their assets and those sorts of things. So it's it's almost as if they're sandbanking what is 
the community housing market right now. So they're just kind of doubling down on it. So it's not a new direction. It's just really doubling down on what they're already doing. Yeah, that's massive uh, stock transfer process. Um, And I guess from our perspective, we have been calling for better regulation of the community housing sector for some time um, in terms of how they select their tenants and how um, tenants can exercise their rights and how they, you know, find out about the rent setting and how they get repairs and maintenance and modifications done. Um, and now with this big shift towards more community housing, um, I guess we'd like to see more regulation of that sector as well because it's certainly not going anywhere. Um, we've heard rumours that there will be a, a new kind of process to have input into that regulation um, but we've not heard much more detail. Have you have you heard anything about how community housing is going to be regulated going forward? Well, it's very unclear how that's going to happen. Um, there already is a regulatory body, um, but there definitely needs to be way more regulation around it, and I would say that there needs to be a mechanism put in place so that there's transparency, because currently you can... FOI the government and get information about what's going on, but you can't do that to a community housing provider. So a lot more transparency in things like annual reports and those sort of things go a long way. Um, Also protecting community housing residents from eviction because eviction rates in community housing are higher than in public housing, um, much higher. So I think that those sorts of things would be welcomed, but if it's anything like what their announcement was around the big housing bill, then you can you can already anticipate that it's going to be a bit of a toothless tiger. So whether or not it actually has the impact that it should have remains to be seen, but we will be paying very close attention to to what the configuration of that regulatory body will be and who they're going to be accountable to. Yeah, and also how enforceable is it? I mean, regulations are useless unless they're enforced, as we've seen in other areas. Um, So I guess that's our concern too, is that it doesn't matter how strong the regulations are, if there's no one going to go in there and make sure it's being done and there's no penalties for that, um, what's the incentive for them to play play by the rules? Yeah, yeah, totally right. You nailed it. So if if our listeners wanted to find out more about your work, whereabouts do they go for information? Do you have a, do you have anything online that people can have a look at? Yeah, um, so our report on the big housing build is called, quite simply, Does the Big Housing Build Address the Housing Crisis in Victoria? And so if you just type that into Google, you, that will come up at um, RMIT Centre for Urban Research. Um, you can also go on the Centre for Urban Research website and find um, articles authored by myself, Libby Porter, and other housing researchers there. Um, I think that there's also a, a lot of good advocacy done in the community. So there's there's um, community groups called Safe Public Housing Collective and the Renters and Housing Union, which are doing really good work and um, actually monitoring what's going on across different aspects of housing justice, particularly in Victoria. So jump on their websites or follow them on social media. That's a really good way to start. Great. Um, thanks so much for your time today, David, and thanks for your great work in analysing that um, housing build that we certainly found it very useful in explaining some of the nitty-gritty to our members who have been asking because it does look so good when you first hear about it, but then, yeah, like you say, maybe it's not as good as it first seems. Yeah, I mean, it's good yeah. that we like rant about this week in, week out. It's nice to actually put some numbers and data behind it. Yeah, rigorous research. 
Yeah, and the takeaway number here is that we could have 17,000 public housing dwellings, but instead what we're getting is 6,000 community housing dwellings. Yep, that's a good thing to do, to talk about more. All right, thanks very much, David. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you both. Bye. Bye. The Black Lives Matter movement is not going away here or overseas. It gives me hope seeing the numbers of people that turn out to these Invasion Day demonstrations in Melbourne. It gives me the understanding that we will win, folks. We will succeed! Subscribe to 3CR in 2021. Feed Radical Radio. Subscribe today. Go to 3cr.org.au forward slash subscribe or call the station on 94198377. Welcome back. You're listening to Raise the Roof on 3CR 855 on the AM dial. And yes, it's subscriber week. So if you are loving this content, as I'm sure you are, why wouldn't you be? Um, 3CR could do with some of your money if you have any to spare. The last 12 months have been really full on for everybody and pretty tough to keep a community radio station on the air. Um, Despite all of the challenges Everybody's managed to be able to keep producing amazing content from their lounge rooms and from their computers. And the staff here have been doing an incredible job of keeping everyone on the go and up to date. So one of the ways that they do that is by subscriber donations and um, it's pretty good bonuses too. You get a little card and you can take it to the movies and get cheap movies. It's pretty cool. So if you want to become a subscriber, you can renew or become a new one by calling the station on 94198377 or you can do it online which is 3cr.org.au and the cost is 35 bucks a year for unwaged and concession, $75 if you've got a job and if you've got a bit of extra money to spare um, and you want to, you know, chuck in a bit more, you can pay 150 bucks if you're doing a solidarity or if you're in a band or in an organisation. So, yeah, do it. That's right. I mean, if anyone wants to know why exactly they should subscribe to 3CR and support independent news uh Currently, Australian news is being held hostage by Facebook in a fight with the Murdoch government, with the Liberal Party kind of overseeing as the ref. I don't know. Uh, If that doesn't convince you that you need to support grassroots alternatives, uh, I don't know what will. Here's some news that you won't get on the Murdoch media, probably on Facebook, maybe on Facebook. Um, The Renters and Housing Union, who uh, David Kelly mentioned and have we've talked about on the show before, we've had the Secretary Irene in before. Um, are currently campaigning to reverse a decision by Common Equity Housing Limited to evict a 65-year-old named Louise Good from her home of 25 years. Uh, last week, she was evicted by police, and her unit is now fenced off and patrolled by security to make sure she can't go home. Uh, Rahu Secretary Irene Solidus noyce uh, who has been on the show before, you can check out that uh, interview in our amazing archives, uh, said, This has been Louise's home for 29 years. 
The fact that she can be evicted like this during a pandemic is disgraceful and speaks volumes about issues with community housing models. The government needs to ask itself what's good about this. Louise Good deserves what we all deserve, a home that is secure, safe and affordable. We will continue to fight to keep Louise home. Uh, at this point in my notes, it says that I should discuss the systemic issues about security of tenure and community versus public housing. We're running a little short on time, so I don't know how deep the systemic issue discussion is going to be. Fiona's laughing at me. I don't know if you can pick that up over the microphone. She leans away from the microphone when she wants to make fun of me. The, um, but so, I mean, security of tenure is something that we talk about all the time on this show, that, that older renters have a right to security of tenure, that they have a right to age in place, they have a right to their own home. And I think to a lot of us, it is shocking that someone can have that taken away from them after 29 years. That's not unique to Louise's case, but it is a case where there's something that we can do and get involved in uh, to try and make sure um, CEHL, you know, reconsider uh, the awkward pause on the radio. So I'm familiar <laughs> to 3CR listeners. The, uh, the things that Rahu is asking supporters to do uh, are to sign a petition, and we'll put a link in the show notes for that, to call CEHL to express support for Louise and ask them to reinstate her tenancy, uh, and to join the neighbourhood in showing their support for Louise this Saturday the 27th at 12pm. They'll be at 49 Newman Street, Thornbury. Uh, I'll give out those details again in just a sec if you want to grab a pen and paper, uh, if you want to get your your phone ready for your notes, uh, for what have you, to put it in your diary. Um, the It is that time of the show when we give out our contact information. Um, so, again, a great time to get your pen and paper ready. Fiona's going to tell us all the phone number. I am not. one three hundred seven six five one seven eight. So that is the HAG phone number if you want to get in touch with us. If you want to get involved with us, Politically, if you want to do some campaigning around some of these issues, um, if you want to uh, talk to us about a housing problem that you're having, if you're an older person, uh, we would love to, to hear from you and figure out how we can help you. That number again is one three hundred seven six five one seven eight. You can email info at oldertenants.org.au. Excuse me, intake at <laughs> oldertenants.org.au. Um, you can check out our website, which is also oldertenants.org.au. You can find us on Facebook, mm-hmm. probably not sharing as much news as we mm-hmm. previously were, but maybe. Uh, actually, I think Frydenberg says he's fixed. Yeah, who knows? Uh, you can find us on Twitter. Um, and you can find some of us, hopefully, at 49 Newman Street, Thornbury, this Saturday the 27th at 12 p.m. Uh, to support Louise Good. We're almost out of time, Fiona. Is there anything else that you wanted to say to our listeners this week? Um, just... On Facebook, if you are a Facebook um, user and you are interested in following us or you already do follow us, we're going to be putting out a little survey and we're going to be asking people how else they might like to get information from us just because this whole fiasco with Facebook has made us realise that we need to use, make better use of our other communications such as 3CR. Um, and other ways. So jump online um, when you get a chance and we'll hopefully have that link up for people specifically around Facebook and better ways that isn't involving corporate nightmarish government-influenced media. (laughs) Beautiful. Uh, All right. We're going to leave you with a song. Uh, We got the news today. We're recording this uh, a day early. We got the news today that Daft Punk had broken up. Not the saddest news. I don't feel like their best work was ahead of them by any means, but do love some Daft Punk. So we're going to leave you with them. This is...